Well, let's go in our Bibles tonight to Psalm 18. Psalm 18. And I've enjoyed our, our walking through both this psalm as well as its parallel passage in 2 Samuel 22. Looking at who is my God, we have really two or three more parts of it, whichever the Lord leads me to, but, but starting tonight here, um, as we look to Psalm 18 and, and 2 Samuel 22, if you remember last week, we looked at how our obedience is in relation to God's character and how when we, if, if, we, if we obey, it does bring God's blessing. It does bring uh, God's working in our life and allowing God to do the impossible and shed his light in, in the dark, uh, dark times of our life. But this, this next section, and it's a very short section actually, I know it looks a whole lot larger on paper, but this short section of Scripture that we're going to look into tonight now focuses on God's perfect security towards His children that choose to trust in Him. And, and that, is a, that is a huge condition that will be brought out in, in the Scripture here, as you'll see. So let's look towards Psalm 18, and we're going to go to verses 30 through verses, uh, through, verse 30 through verse 36. The Bible says, As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in Him. For who is God save our Lord? Or who is a rock save our God? It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hind's feet and setteth me upon my high places. He teacheth my hands to war, so that a bow of steel is broken in mine arms. Thou hast also given me the shield of salvation, and thy right hand hath holden me up, and thy gentleness hath made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me, that my feet did not slip. Let's pray, and then we'll, we'll turn over to Second Samuel together. Father, would you help us tonight? Uh, just to learn more of who you are. Lord, thank you for uh, this larger passage of Scripture, Lord, that you emphasize to us twice in your word. Lord, you really do want us to get uh, who you are. And so, Lord, I pray that tonight we would learn more of that and that you would teach us, uh, teach us more about you, teach us more about ourselves, and teach us how not to be self-dependent. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. That's really what we're going to look at here in just a little bit is oftentimes we will become self-dependent and God's character speaks against that. And so as we walk through God's character in these verses, I want you to see how self-dependence speaks against that. Second Samuel now, chapter 22, and it is verses 31 through 37. That is the parallel passage to Psalm 18 there, verses 31 to 37. I'll just give you a second to get there. And there might be just a few different words, but for the most part, it is, it is very much, uh, it's definitely giving us the same message. 
And it is, it is very much uh, parallel to what was being said there before in, in chapter 18 of Psalms. So 2 Samuel 22, verses 31 through 37, the Bible says, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in him. For who is God save the Lord? And who is a rock save our God? God is my strength and power, and he maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hinds feet, and setteth me upon my high places. He teacheth my hands to war, so that the bow of steel in my, is broken in my, by mine arms. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy gentleness hath made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me, so that my feet did not slip. As we look towards our, our uh, text here tonight and towards our sheet in front of us, there in just these few verses, these seven verses, there are, it is loaded with God's character. In just verse 31, we see that my God's way is perfect. My God's way is perfect. It doesn't need to be changed. The Hebrew word there for perfect is tamim, which means whole, complete, perfection. It doesn't, there's no need of change. My God's way is perfect, and I can trust in it. Secondly, it says, uh, secondly on your sheet there, my God's word, and that's capital W, is perfect. And I, I mean, not only is God truthful, his word will always be good, but I mean also the Bible, his written word and his spoken word are perfect to us. So when, it, when the Bible says the word of the Lord is tried, it has been tried over and over again, and it has always withstood. It has always withstood. It, it's, never, it's never been proven untruthful, though maybe... Some people will try to make their YouTube channels or their podcasts and say, oh, the, you know, these things are contradicting. There is always an answer, and God is always truthful. Let God be true and every man a liar. My God's way is perfect. My God's word is perfect. My God's security towards me is perfect. But notice that that last thing comes with a condition. In verse 31, what is the condition? To all them that trust in him. And we'll, we'll talk about self-dependence here in just a little bit, but if you're not trusting in God, things are going to get dangerous. If you're not trusting in him for your security to be your buckler, uh, the one that, that, that is, and that word buckler can mean shield as well, uh, in, in its definition, the very definition of the word buckler, if you're not trusting in God as the one who secures you, the, things will get very shaky in life. Verse 32 says, For who is God save the Lord? My God is also my Lord. Capital L-O-R-D. And that's significant because he's not just, well, when you go to Webster's 1828 dictionary, he does give several definitions from, for the word Lord. 
and it can mean tyrant or, or oppressive master, and he doesn't refer those to that of the capital L-O-R-D. In Scripture, Webster says that he is the supreme being, Jehovah, the one who is master, a person, God being a person, possessing supreme power and authority. And so tonight, I want to ask you, have you made God your Lord? Is he your master? Is he the ruler over everything in your life? Or is he just one that sits on the sideline and you ask him to bless you when when you lay out your plan before him? My God is my Lord in verse 32, but also if you see it, it's right there. My God is my rock. He's my rock. He is, he is the one that is I can anchor to, and I will not move. I won't be moved. My God is my rock. Now I'm going to let you answer. Verses 33 and 34, what do you see as far as, don't, don't maybe look at, don't look at your sheet yet as far as an answer. But before you look to your sheet and your blanks, what do you see in verses 33 and 34? He is. He's your strength and power. Yeah. He maketh my way perfect. So let's focus in on verse 33 for a moment. My God is my source of strength and power. We can draw from all sorts of sources for our strength and power. We can try to muster it up ourselves. We can try to draw it from other outside influences. But God should be our strength and power. He is my strength and power. It's just whether I, use, I, I utilize his grace and his enablement or not. The last thing there under verse 33 I have is, my God is sovereign. And I'll explain why, why I put that there. Uh, my God is sovereign. That's under uh, verse 33. That's the second, second blank you have. The end of verse 33 reads, and he maketh my way perfect. You might say, well, uh, you know, is that a different kind of perfect? Why does he have to make my way perfect? Well, sometimes you and I get off. <laughs> okay, notice the difference between verse 31 and verse 33. Does God have to make his way perfect? No, because his way is perfect. But there are times where you and I get off, and that word perfect is the same exact Hebrew word, tamim. It's to, it, is, it means whole, complete, and, and what God is saying here to us is that he maketh our way whole, where it wasn't whole before. He maketh it complete, where it wasn't complete before. And you can apply that to salvation. You can apply that to sanctification, us living the Christian life by faith. But oftentimes if we get off and we need to come back to, and we're crying out to the Lord, the Lord knows how to make our way perfect and to order our steps once again, to make it complete and whole where it wasn't complete before. Verse 34. 
He maketh my feet like hinds feet and setteth me on my high pl- upon my high places. What is a hind? Does anyone know? A mountain goat. Yep. I've also heard deer, but I, I don't know if that's quite correct. It's it's one of those, but it's one that has to climb into the mountains and needs needs the right equipment. And God created them with the right equipment. And so I I wrote down here, it can be applied maybe several different ways, but my God is the one who perfectly equips me and places me on the high ground. He gives me the high ground, and he gives me the perfect equipment to to scale those those places and and to be in a position where the enemy is at a disadvantage if I'm trusting in him. Yes? Yes. I could never do that. <laughs> You're right. It's it's exactly right. He makes them so that they can they can scale that, and I just have to look in awe at the fact that God created them perfectly for that, and so that's the picture that God gives us here. He not only equips us with the right. I don't know. It's just. God, you, have you ever looked at someone and said, man, God, God equipped you perfectly for what you're doing right there, and, you know, in ministry to people or, or in something like God has given you the perfect heart, given you the, 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 the way to do it, and God will do that to us, and he sets us upon the high places, not, not, in, the, not in the valley where we're an easy target. So he perfectly equips me. Verse 35, my God teaches me his offense against the enemy. My God teaches me his offense against the enemy. And it's not just a, it's not, it's not just a, a, it's not just a human aspect or a human strength that is our offense. And we'll, we'll get that to that in just a minute here. But my, he teacheth my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. Have you ever seen a bow of steel? Absolutely. Uh, I used to uh, clean a metal shop as a, as a college student, and we would walk by and, and we'd pick up the shards. We'd have, they'd have trash cans that they, the, the excess just fell out into, and we would gather those and dump them into, into large barrels. And, uh, and you'd f- see the finished product sitting there drying or doing whatever it was on the rack. And I could not imagine taking one of those giant steel bars and just breaking it. But that's the picture, the visual picture that God wants to give us. It's something that's supernatural. Something that not even the strongest man in the world could even bend. It's something that only God can do. He teaches me his offense against the enemy. But then also he mentions in verse 36, what? There's defense too. (laughs) My God teaches me that he is my defense as well. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation. There's the gospel right there in the middle of it. Whenever there's a temptation to get angry at someone 
a temptation to not be merciful towards someone, and we think back to our salvation, it is a shield to us and a protection from a, uh, a critical spirit and from falling prey to the enemy. When we think back to the cross and all that Christ has done for us, it is our defense. And then the last part of that verse says that his gentleness and thy gentleness hath made me great. My God is gentle. My God is gentle. You might think that it would say, man, his, his, there's the shield of his salvation and his tough love has made me great. But that's not what it says. You know, a lot of us have experienced some good, tough love. Okay, so maybe from a teacher or from someone, or uh, maybe we think that that's how someone's going to excel in life. But I'm glad that God's not that way with us. I mean, oftentimes it, it's his long-suffering that brings us, his, his, his patience, his gentleness that brings us, his goodness, the Bible says, brings us to repentance. And so his gentleness is what has made me great, hath made me great. Verse 37 then, as we round out just this passage here, my God orders and gives support to my steps so I don't fall. My God orders and gives support to my steps so I don't fall. Let me read verse 37 for you again. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me so that my feet did not slip. And I I thought on this all week. I, I had my Bible open at the fair, and I even asked uh, Pastor Lee, like, what does this mean? Enlarging my steps, does it make my steps bigger? Does it you know, make my steps wider? I thought of like some big shoes that you could wear to not slip, to have support, sturdiness. And I just came down to the fact that, you know, God's the one that's going to support me. He's not going to let me fall. And so making my steps larger. I know God orders my steps, but he makes it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he makes he makes my he makes my steps he enlarges them. He makes them wider so that exactly puts them makes them larger under me so that my feet did not slip. And that's huge because Yeah. And people were, in order to walk, were putting plastic bags, making their feet bigger. Bigger. So they could walk through the mud and not get muddy feet. That's right. So that's, that's a perfect example of what God does to us. He doesn't want us to slip and fall and into the muck and the mire. He, God wants us to be supported. And self-dependence, as we're going to see here, denies God all of that. So let's look to the, the back side of our sheet now and just some key thoughts as we go to prayer tonight. Yes? Absolutely. Yes.
So it's different. That's good historical context there. Yes. Okay, I looked up buckler and it said shield, but I didn't know what kind of shield. Yes. Something. That's really good. Something impending. <laughs> Something that's coming down on you. And the and that the Lord is that. He's he's going to protect. As we look to the back, I just have three simple truths. These are not truths that are going to jump off the page and hit you in the face. Okay, These are just simple, mundane, everyday truths that we need to know as, as we, and be reminded of as we go to prayer tonight and, and in relation to God's character. Self-dependence denies God's character. Everything that you just wrote down on that first page is not negated. It's not that it doesn't exist when we have self-dependence. God is still God when we're self-dependent. But it denies that that God has those things and that God can be allowed into my life. See, God is a gentleman. He knocks and waits for us to open the door. God is a gentleman. He, and when we did not, when we say no, God, I can do it myself, it denies God's character that that He is any of those things. Secondly, self-dependence produces no fruit. And if one of you can look up John fifteen verse five and read that for me, I'll give you just a moment to get there, and then Mr. Milligan, why don't you read that for us? John fifteen and verse five. That last phrase there should put a stamp on your heart. For without me, ye can do nothing. So flip over your sheet again. And just say you were to be self-dependent. And we all fall into this from time to time. The Lord knows that we are flesh and blood. And we need to be reminded of this from time to time so that we don't fall into it. God wants us to be reminded. But we can very easily follow our own way instead of God's way that is perfect. We can follow our own word, or our, as our culture would call it, follow your own truth. They would, they would say, you know, oh, that's your truth. Sure, follow that. And we would consider that to be perfect in our life. My own security, which is dangerous. My own Lord, my own master. I can be my own Lord and master and, and pull God out of it. Just going down further, I can, it can everything. I, I I want everything under my own control. We want to micromanage things, unless instead of trusting God with things, so we can become our own sovereignty, and feel like we have it under control, and it produces no fruit. God says, we can try to equip ourselves, muster up our own strength, and God says that's not going to produce any fruit. We can try to place ourselves on our own false high ground and we're a prime target for the enemy 
we can be our own offense and our own defense. And what do we end up doing in that moment? We end up, James chapter 4 says that our selfish desires, our self-dependence, what does it produce? Fightings and wars among you. If we can focus on fighting flesh and blood, that's our offense and our defense. But God's not about that. God's about defeating the enemy with a perfect offense and a perfect defense that will protect us, that is focused on principalities, powers, and and the darkness of this world. I can try to I can try to be gentle to people with my own gentleness. Have you ever tried that? It doesn't work, does it? Yeah. yeah. So what I've found in my own life is when I when I treat people with my own gentleness, I become a respecter of persons as to who deserves my gentleness or not. You know, that that person, you know, is 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 worthy of my gentleness and that person is not worthy of my gentleness. And I'm glad God isn't that way with us. I'm glad that God is not looking at me and saying, oh, Andrew is, is not, he's worthy of my love, therefore I can love him. No, when I was, when I was still in my mother's womb and he was, you know, when, when he died on the cross, I was not worthy of his love. And he died for me. So I, tonight, if we, if we have self-dependence, it's going to produce absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. I can try to be gentle, but I will fail. I need to be gentle with his gentleness. And his gentleness says, that person's not worthy of of gentleness, give them gentleness. That person's not worthy of love, give them love. That person is not worthy of honor, give them honor. That is Christ flowing through us. Self-dependence, thirdly, leads to slipping. It leads to slipping. Someone look up 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12 for me. You've got it already? Thank you. Oh. And so as, as we look just back to verse 37, Thou hast enlarged my steps under me so that my feet did not slip. God wants to give us that support. But self-dependence, when it denies God and, and it denies God's faithfulness to us, we better take heed lest we fall. Any single one of us in this room is capable of the worst sins. And, and uh, Peter, if you look at his example, he said, I'm not going to deny you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, and, and he ended up denying God three times, right? Just, just, just later that night. And so God wants us to, to depend on him and look to him whose way is perfect. I hope this has been a help to you tonight and and really opened your eyes as to even just taking a short portion of scripture how much you actually do see as God's character. And we, we need to know who our God is and you, you all throughout scripture this is not just 2 Samuel or the Psalms. Throughout all of the historical narrative that we're given in the Bible, which is most of the Bible, we're given God's character, both in the Gospels as well as the minor prophets. Okay, 
God's giving to us his character because he wants us to know who he is so that we will be able to better reflect him to a lost and dying world. He wants us to reflect his gentleness and his love and and to be able to, to show to other people, even other Christians, I can trust the Lord in the midst of this. God is worthy of my trust. I don't need to be self-dependent like I am. So if God's convicted you tonight that, that uh, self-dependence is, has been part of, part of your life, would you ask him tonight to, to deal with you about that so that you can produce fruit as a Christian?